Hi, I'm Ashley. I'm Jen. And I'm Sarah. And we are Unabridged, the podcast where teachers take on books. Join us each week for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content every week. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridgedpod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Unabridged. Today, we are taking on our May Book Club pick. This is Marianne Schaefer and Annie Barrows' The Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, which I get wrong almost every time. So yes, I did just read that title. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started, I just want to remind you that We have a newsletter that comes out twice a month and is a lot of fun. You can go to unabridgedpod.com to sign up for that. So one issue is all about the month ahead and what the episodes will be. We talk about our book club and buddy read picks, and there's always a little bookish thing to share with you. And then the other one is just a little bit about us. We share some more personal things. Sometimes they're bookish and sometimes they're not, but you can learn to get to know us a little bit more. So again, you can subscribe to our newsletter at unabridgedpod.com. Before we do our bookish check-in, I just want to say that Ashley is still not with us, but she is recovering and doing well. So we look forward to when she will rejoin us on the pod. So for our bookish check-in, Sarah, what are you reading? I think I've mentioned on here before that I'm working through Taylor Jenkins Reads backlist. And so I am currently reading Forever Interrupted. I really didn't know a lot about this book going in. I had purchased it on Kindle when it was on sale a long time ago. And so I had my Kindle one day and I just downloaded it and started it. Well, let me tell you, (laughs) it is a pretty sad story from the beginning. The premise of the book is that Ellie is the main character. She has met her soulmate Ben very recently, but they, they have like this whirlwind romance. This is not a spoiler. They get married after like uh, several months of dating and they have been married two weeks and Ben goes out to get her cereal and is hit by a car (laughs) and dies. And the story is the aftermath of that because they hadn't gotten their marriage certificate. So there was no proof that she was his wife. And there, there's all these ramifications from that and her navigating the grief. And it is gut-wrenching. I have to say I have cried throughout. I'm about two-thirds of the way through. It's it's great. It's just like how what you would expect from Taylor Jenkins' read. But I mean, probably had I known the premise, I've been trying to kind of go into books not reading the cover and the, mm-hmm. the cover summaries and things like that because sometimes I find them a little spoilery and I just like to be surprised. And since I love Taylor Jenkins' read so much, I just wanted to go in and just enjoy the story. Had I known what it was, maybe I wouldn't have started it. But now I just want to know how the story turns out. Taylor Jenkins Reid, I think, always does a great job with her treatment of grief and how we work through feelings and emotions that kind of consume us. And so I think that's all really beautiful. The book, I really like the book. I love the characters. They're really well drawn out and they just 
you know, you feel like you know them so well, just like in other mm-hmm. books that she writes. But it is very sad. I think you have to be in the right mental space to start it. But I really think it's a great book. And I'm really loving the story. And I love Ellie so much. So that is Forever Interrupted by Taylor Jenkins Reid. It's funny. That is the last of hers that I have not read. So yeah, that is. And it has been. I did read the synopsis. And yeah, sometimes I just am not ready to take that on, knowing that that's going to happen right at the beginning. Yes. And so, yeah, I've, I really want to read it. I want to be a Taylor Jenkins read completist, but <laughs> I maybe this summer. I mean, and I, like I said, I didn't know. And so I read the first chapter and all that happened in the first chapter. And I was I was like, I maybe made a mistake starting this book, but I really want to know what happens now. <laughs> Jen, what are you reading? I am reading Elif Shafak's The Island of Missing Trees. And this is a buddy read with Read with Tony. And this is a really fascinating book. I will say, so I'll just go ahead and start with one of the narrators is a fig tree. (laughs) And yeah, so it is innovative. It is really beautifully written. It is really fascinating. It's one of those, I feel like I'm learning a lot. Not that I feel like I'm being lectured at, but I'm learning a lot. This one alternates primarily so far between two time periods. In the 2010s, there's a focus on a girl named Ada. She's a teenager. We know that her mother died fairly recently within like the last year. And she and her father live alone and are each dealing with grief. It seems pretty separately. They do love each other a lot, but they don't seem to communicate particularly well. And so sometimes it seems like it's difficult for them to comfort each other. The other time period is 1970s Cyprus. And this is where we learn the story of her parents. One of them is Greek. And one of them is Turkish. And I had no idea of the history of Cyprus, but there was a huge division between these two groups on Cyprus, some of it driven by religion. There was a lot of violence. And so the fact that her parents, when they were teenagers, were dating sort of across the lines of this division, they have to have a hidden relationship. They know that their parents would not approve. They know that they can't be seen in public because that would make them the focus of threats and violence potentially. Yeah. So we're still figuring out exactly what happened in the seventies and exactly what happened in the modern story. But weaving it all together is this fig tree that originally was in Cyprus. And then Ada's dad took a cutting from it and brought it with him to England and replanted it in their yard. And so the fig tree is sort of this omniscient narrator that knows the whole story. And so while we get these particular perspectives, the fig tree sort of knows the whole thing and some connections that the humans don't know, and also shares a lot just about trees and how their perspective is different from that of humans, talks a lot about time talks a lot about concepts that just don't exist in plants that humans feel like loneliness. They say loneliness is a human feeling. So it's it's really been a fascinating read. We had our first discussion at the halfway point and had so much to talk about just because there's so much going on in each timeline. There are some little mysteries woven throughout. We still don't know exactly what happened with Ada's mom. And so, yeah, I am really loving it. And I'm quite curious to see where it will go. So that is Elif Shafak's The Island of Missing Trees. I don't think I've ever read a book with a tree as a narrator. 
<laughs> I have definitely not. And it is, it is an interesting reading experience. I've never read a book quite like this, which I don't say very often, but it is, it is unique for sure. All right. Well, we are going to move on to our book club pick. I'm going to read the publisher's synopsis before we get started. January 1946, as London emerges from the Second World War, writer Juliet Ashton is looking for her next book subject. Who can imagine that she would find it in a letter from a man she's never met, a native of Guernsey, the British island once occupied by the Nazis? As Juliet begins a remarkable correspondence, she is drawn into the world of this man and his friends, all members of the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, a book club formed to protect its members from arrest by the Germans. Through their letters, she learns about their islands, their taste in books, and the powerful transformative impact the occupation has had on their lives. Captivated by their stories, she sets sail for Guernsey. What she finds there will change her forever. All right. Well, Sarah, let's start with overall impressions. What do you think of this one? I thought this was a wonderful story, and I just fell in love with these characters. I listened to the audio, and I... I mean, it's like a production because there are there are different voices for every letter. I thought there was a, there was a lot of joy in the book, but there was just a lot of sorrow too. And the way that all of that unfolded was really beautiful. I thought, and I just I hadn't read a book set during World War II that is quite like this, and I just fell in love with Guernsey and the people and their relationships and just how they supported each other. And, you know, when I talk, sometimes I love the concept of a found family. And I just feel like the, all the members of the society were just there for each other. And they created this really beautiful family of kind of, some of them are misfits and some of them are just people that have had this great loss and they just were there for each other. And I, I just really loved that. And I loved all of them. And I thought that while there was sorrow, there was also hope. And I really loved that too. How about you, Jen? What did you think? Yeah. So this was a reread for me. The first time I read it in print and I was in the depths of my fatigue with World War II books, but a friend gave it to me. So I wanted to read it and I started it begrudgingly. (laughs) And I just remember being completely swept away I love epistolary novels. Oh, shout out. This one would count for the Unabridged Podcast Reading Challenge, if you're doing that. And I love epistolary novels. I love the different voices and the way the narrative unfolds so cleverly through those letters. And I think, yeah, like what you were saying about found family, I just love the way these characters come together. And you see that in some ways, they're not a natural group. But the way they're there to support each other and to get through some really deep tragedy, I think is just beautiful. And I love watching Juliet have to sort of wind her way into their group because initially they are quite protective of each other. And she is an outsider and they have not had great experiences with outsiders, obviously because of the occupation. And they feel like their story is something to protect. And so I think that initial suspicion and then the way she has to work to get past it is really charming when she asks the two different people, one who likes her and one who does not, to give her sort of letters of recommendation to (laughs) Amelia. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so I just love the whole process. You know, there is a romance, but that is 
not the central focus of the book. The central focus of the book is how do you recover from a tragedy like this one? And that whole part with Elizabeth, you know, she's at the center of so much and just watching that process and then Remy, I just think it's so powerful and so lovely. So yeah, I loved it. I listened to the audio this time around too. And oh my goodness, you are right. It is quite the production. And I think hearing those different voices just brought those characters to life. So I would recommend the audio to people. If you read the print this time, the audio is worth revisiting, but I think it works in either format. Yes, I agree. So what is one thing in particular that worked for you? Oh gosh, this is a hard question because (laughs) there's just so many things that I really adored about this book. I'm going to go with the epistolary format because I loved the way that that was able to incorporate all of these stories and all of these people who were affected by the occupation in Guernsey and just so many different perspectives and so many different stories about how these lives were impacted by that occupation. And so I really liked how that provided almost like a first person narrative for each letter Mm -hmm. that you got to actually experience it through that person. Whereas in a regular novel, you wouldn't have had that. It would have been more telling than showing. And so I really felt like that format really gave us the ability to really feel impacted by each person's story. So that's my, mm-hmm. I, I really think that if, had this not been an epistolary novel, that it wouldn't have been as impactful. Uh-huh. How about you, Jen? Yeah, I love that. It's really hard. All right. I think I'm going to talk about Elizabeth a little bit more. So I think the way she is absent through the entire book, technically, yeah. and yet she is such a presence. And I think We see the way that her bravery and her willingness to stand up for others, in one case, even a German who is occupying Guernsey, but her willingness to see past people's surfaces is so powerful and has such an impact on their, everyone else's ability to do that. I really love that. And I was telling Sarah before we started... (laughs) When I was listening to the audiobook, I was in the car at one point. And when Elizabeth, when they find out that Elizabeth has died, I just broke out into these gut wrenching mm-hmm. sobs. And I knew it was coming, but there's something about the way that is written. And they've been holding out hope so much. Yeah, I it, it is it is such a powerful part of the book. It is horrible, but it's also, I think, something that really worked for me that you get to know. Elizabeth as a character, even though we never technically meet her. And, you know, she's the one who gave the title to the book. So I just think her presence and her absence is so powerful. And again, just written so well. Yeah, I think it's really great. I did want to shout out to just if you did listen to the audio in the print, you get the story of why there are two authors. And I just want to mention that. So yeah, it's well worth going online to read about it. So Marianne Schaefer started the book and became ill when it was time to finish it. And so her niece, Annie Barrows, finished it sort of in tribute to her aunt. And her aunt was alive at the beginning, but Marianne Schaefer did not get to see, I mean, this was everywhere right after publication. She did not get to see the runaway success that this book was. But Annie Barrows talks about how her aunt was such a storyteller that when it came time to finish the book that she had started, she knew her storytelling voice so well that she was able to step in and finish the book. So 
Yeah, there's more detail, obviously, in Barrows's writing about it, but it is well worth visiting. So even though that's technically not in the book, that worked for me too. I think it's such a lovely story. That's that's beautiful. I didn't. I actually didn't know that because I read the or, or listened to the audio. So, yeah, I was sort of expecting that they would read it as part of the audio because I had read that the first time I read the book, but I didn't remember all the details. So I went out and and found the print. All right. Well, we are going to move on to our pairings. Sarah, what book would you pair with this one? I am going to pair Kim Fay's Love and Saffron. I talked about this a little while ago in in a bookish check-in, and I love this book. It is also set in the past, but it's set in the 60s. And this is a novel that is written in, it's an epistolary novel. And it is, the letters are between a 27-year-old named Joan and a older woman in her 60s named Imogen. It's basically the story of a beautiful friendship and an unlikely friendship that starts over letters. And it's really a charming book, but there is some sadness, but there's hope. And it really covers some things that are happening historically and the way that it impacts these women. And it's just, I adored this novel. It centers around food. So, you know, I love that. And I just think it pairs really nicely with Guernsey because of, well, of course, the epistolary format, but also this unlikely friendship concept and finding each other through written word and finding this common ground. And in this case, this it was food. And then with Dossie and Juliet, it was books and being a bibliophile. Mm-hmm. So I just really think that this pairs nicely. And if you enjoyed Guernsey, I think you would definitely love Love and Saffron. So that's my pairing. I have got to read that book. Every time you talk about it, I just think it sounds so oh, good. I just adored it. And I, I think you would love it. And it's so, I also, this book is very slim. So you can get through mm-hmm. it really quickly. The audio is amazing. So all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Maybe I'll listen. I, I'd love that. I wasn't sure if I would like that with an epistolary novel, but it works so well for me with this one with Guernsey. Yeah. Jen, what is your pairing? Well, before I give my official pairing, I wanted to mention another book club pick that we read that I thought of. But since we talked about it in depth, I didn't want to say it again. But that's Hazel Gaynor and Heather Webb's Last Christmas in Paris. We can link that in the show notes because I think that one's um, epistolary as well. That one takes place during World War One, So it's a little different, but there are a lot of connections. So, But my official <laughs> pairing is Helen Hanf's 84 Charing Cross Road. And this one is also epistolary. This is nonfiction. This one, like the relationship in Guernsey, starts off with a connection about books. And I will say that was something that really worked well for me in Guernsey. I just loved the way books come to mean so much to these people. And they talk about the authors and the characters as if they live in Guernsey too. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, and there's There are characters who read the same book over and over for the entire occupation and just don't want to read anything else. And then there are others who have never had an interest in reading before that just become devoted to books. Anyway, so 84 Chair and Crossroads starts when Helen Hanf, who lives in New York, writes to Dole, a bookseller in London, for help finding a particular book. He is able to do it. And they just start writing back and forth to each other about books. So he continues helping her find particular books that she cannot find in the United States. 
but they also talk about what matters to them about books and the books they share, the books that they truly love. And their epistolary relationship is just this beautiful thing. You see how this deep friendship forms purely through letters, purely over this love of books. They come to know each other in this one facet of their lives so, so well. And so that just really reminded me of Guernsey, of how books and other people and writing about books or discussing books can be such a comfort in difficult times. I I will say while reading Guernsey, I thought more than once of the pandemic, the way that talking about books on this podcast and with other people on Bookstagram was such a comfort to me during the pandemic. And yeah, so I think you see that connection in 84 Charing Cross Road as well. There's apparently an adaptation of this that I have not seen, but I love the book. And like you said about Love and Saffron Sarah, this one is really slim too. So if you're looking for just a brief read that has a big impact, 84 Charing Cross Road is a great one. So that's my pairing. That's great. And I, while you were talking, I was thinking about Love and Saffron. And in I think I mentioned this when I did it, when I talked about it for my bookish check-in, but Imogen, one of the characters in the book, talks about how writing letters, that she feels like writing letters is so personal. And she said she, because like during the 60s, the telephone is becoming more popular and stuff. And she hates the telephone, she said, because when she's on the telephone, she can also play solitaire and and Uh have to be doing different things. But when she sits down to write a letter... It, she's fully present. She's fully thinking about that. And I think about that in that kind of the lost form of letter writing today. And I think these novels, these epistolary novels really show how personal and how much things can develop between these letters, between friends and, and lovers and how mm-hmm. much you can put in a letter. And I kind of feel sad that we don't have that as much anymore. Yes. It is so funny. I was listening to Just the Right Book podcast this week, and Roxanne Cody was interviewing Anna Quinlan about her newest book, which is about writing. And they had a long conversation about letter writing and why it was different from any other kind of communication we have today. So that's so funny. That really resonates. All right. Well, how many bookish hearts would you give this one, Sarah? I will give this five bookish hearts. How about you, Jen? Yes, five as well. That will I feel like this will shock no one. But I do want to say next week we will be talking about the adaptation. So be sure to check back for that. And if you want to watch it in advance, if you haven't seen it already, it is available on Netflix. We are going to end with our give me one. So Sarah, give me one goal for summer. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel like I have a whole list of my goals for summer. <laughs> I always try to overcommit. I where I always try to think think I'm gonna have all this time and then I over list about what I think I can get accomplished. But I think for me, I uh, my goal is to come up with a system for my kids for the next school year in order to make sure that they are getting all their work done and also helping around the house because I feel like during the pandemic, we were all home and I kind of did everything because we were here and it was such a stressful time. And then mm-hmm. I think that has continued post, <laughs> post being at home all the time. And so I feel a little overwhelmed. So I'm going to try to figure out a way to include my family in the maintenance of our home. So that's one of my big goals for the summer. (laughs) How about you, Jen? 
So I have a bunch of things I need to do for the next school year. I'm going to talk about this on our, an upcoming teaching tidbit, but I want to be careful that I take some time just to decompress. It has been shifting from last year, the strange year that that was in school. I, this year felt like almost a new prep for me. It felt like another first year all over again after having been out of the classroom for several years. And it has been a really good year, but it has been stressful. And so I feel like I just want to, you know, set aside a few weeks to just be (laughs) and not be stressed. And yeah, so I think that is one of my big goals for summer, spend some time with my boys and my husband and yeah, just, just be for a little bit. That's a great goal. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'll remind you again that you can sign up for our newsletter at unabridgedpod.com. Thanks so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at unabridgedpod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.